Well, I would like to share some thoughts with you this evening on the subject of parent, parenting and uh, specifically the area of not exasperating our children. I shared on this about 12 years ago and I thought it might not hurt to do this again. That new batch of children. And uh, so we'll try to look at some thoughts related to that. But let's read a couple sections of Scripture to begin with. First, in Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verse 18. I'm just trying to set that subject into the context uh, of uh, marriage and the family. Colossians 3:18 Wives be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Children be obedient to your parents in all things for this is well pleasing to the Lord. Fathers do not exasperate your children that they may not lose heart. And then if you turn over to Ephesians Chapter 6, and again, this teaching related to children and parenting is, of course, in the context of marriage, uh, starting up in verse 22 of chapter 5, which we won't start there. Let's just start with, let's just start with uh, verse 33 of chapter 5. Nevertheless, let each individual among you also love his own wife, even as himself, And let the wife see to it that she respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So we see here the basic structure that God has set up from really from creation, the structure of the family. The Bible uh, takes the institution of the family for granted, really, because it's, it's been there from the beginning. Uh, it's part of the order that God set up and intended for, for creation and for humanity. So the Bible doesn't explicitly, explicitly talk about the setting up of the family, but it's, it's all through the Bible. Um, of course, right there in the beginning, <clears throat> in Genesis 1:27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then it goes right into, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. So it's talking here about the family, right? The first verse that talks about mankind talks about this institution of the family and marriage. So we learn from the scriptures that children from the very moment of conception are to be considered a blessing and a heritage from the Lord. And parents are to demonstrate to their children God's pattern of, of life. Uh, that's part of being a parent to show the child how they're to live. And uh, 
their, their pattern for marriage. They should teach their children the uh, spiritual and moral values and lead them in understanding what a consistently godly lifestyle is through example and through loving discipline. How to make good and right biblical choices about how to live. And of course children are to obey and honor their parents. The educational responsibilities which are brought up in this verse uh, bring them up, speaking of the children and the discipline and instruction of the Lord, the education of children and youth is the responsibility of parents primarily. Uh, part of that responsibility may in some situations be delegated uh, to the church or to public institutions of education, but the controlling power, the primary authority, stays with the parents and should not be relinquished. When conflicts arise, the parents always have the power to make the final decision according to God's way of instituting the family. Now, that's unless certain very extreme situations would come up. Uh, when conflicts arise to such an extent that there is real, real crisis, there may be a situation where another authority, either the extended family, the church, or the state has to step in to eliminate cruelty or inhumane actions. But that should be very rare. Basically, with the position that I think we learn from the scriptures, that is an extreme, when there is an extreme abuse of authority, the authority structure that God has set up in the home, when there is an extreme abuse of that authority, it is right for another authority to step in to uphold God's righteous standard. But again, that's rare. The general picture that we're given is that the authority for the, over the children is the parents. So tonight I want to speak briefly on problems in parent and child relationships that would not be on that level we're talking about there of cruelty and inhumane actions, but nevertheless can be quite harmful. What Paul calls provoking the child to anger or exasperating the child. So that's what we're dealing with tonight and um, really those two sections that we looked at uh, not provoking to anger and exasperating are very close uh, in meaning. To exasperate means to embitter, to stir up, to irritate, to annoy or to make angry. So you can see that's very close to the same thing. Uh, so what we're looking at here tonight are some ways to exasperate a child. Now this is what we don't want to do, you see. <laughs> I probably should have put this all in the positive, but I'm putting it in the negative. Uh, so I think I, I have ten uh, different sections here, and they're not in order of importance or even frequency of occurrence. 
Uh, actually, the first one I'm going to start with uh, is one we just heard about not too long ago when Don Johnson was here when he was speaking about Isaac and Rebecca. because one thing that comes out in that account is one way to exasperate your children and really make things not go well in a family is to show personal favoritism. Now, Paul or uh, James talks about that in the church, how wrong it is to show personal favoritism, uh, but it's also wrong in the family. And so we see that uh, this does apply to parents, and especially to parents with more than one child. That's where it gets to be a, a problem. Uh, favoritism has to do with being unfairly partial towards one child over another. Uh, just to give some ways that might come about, perhaps one child is good in sports and another is not so good, but the father happens to really like sports, so he kind of has a, you know, a favor there, a favorite in one child above another. It's not a good situation. This can exasperate the other child and cause them to lose heart. To lose heart, that's quite a phrase, isn't it? A child to lose heart. Well, uh, there's a lot of different areas. It can, you know, it might be academics. One child is much more uh, prone to do good in school and the other is not. Uh, that, you know, that can gra gravitate a parent more towards that child. That's not a good, good way to view or to deal with things in the family. It might be musical talent. You can pick out a lot of things. I mean, it can be strange things, like it, is, well, like it was with... Isaac uh, and Rebecca, where Isaac favored Esau above Jacob. For what reason? Well, because he, he liked to eat, eat wild game. Now, that's quite a reason to favor one child over another, isn't it? Uh, incredible. Well, anyway, we, um, I won't go into that very much because Don Johnson just talked about that and we could see the turmoil and trouble that that caused in that family. Favoritism exasperates the child. Children are different and must be treated as individuals with different personalities and abilities and needs. And really one of the main things, you know, we're, ta we're told here to bring up a child in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. One of the main things in teaching and training your child is to focus on each child's unique learning style. One child might be instructed and learn in one way and it's not going to work for the other one. It's not a one-size-fits-all thing in this thing of discipline and instruction of the Lord. So learning how they learn is an important thing. But what we're talking about here mainly in this thing of favoritism is that we should treat each child with equal love and care. Uh, and I would say this, uh, from the child's standpoint, you need to be careful, this is for a little bit older children, you need to be careful about misinterpreting a parent's actions as favoritism. That may not really be the case. You think of the uh, example there of the elder son when the prodigal came home. What he says is, Dad, you're, you're showing favoritism here. You're looking at all these things you're doing for, for the other son. 
the dad says, no, that's not the case. And I'm sure the, the thought there is, you know, son, if you were in that situation, I'd be doing the same thing for you. And that's, that's the attitude we have to have as parents, being careful not to show any kind of personal favoritism. So that was the first one. The next, unrealistic expectations. Demanding too much from a child, and of course a lot of this has to do with age-appropriate expectations. Things are different as a child goes along, and you can't expect one child to be at the same stage of, a two, uh, uh, that, of another one that's two or ten years older than the other one. Development takes time, and different children develop at different rates. Paul said this, I mean, he wasn't really thinking about this subject, but it, I think it applies. He said, when I was a child, I used to speak as a child, think as a child, and reason as a child. There's a way a child thinks and reasons, and it's not the same way you do. They, they, they have to grow into that. It takes time. Uh, when I became a man, I did away with childish things. Now, our desires for our children, we just need to realize they need to be age-appropriate. If, if we're not careful about that, if we put too much on, it can exasperate them. On the other hand, well, uh, we just have to be careful. Um, you know, if, if pride or impatience or perfectionism, that can, that can be a problem. Uh, perfectionism, don't get in the way. I think it is true that parents usually have a pretty good idea of what their children are capable of. I mean, unless we're just um, very impatient or too proud to really be examining things or have a kind of a perfectionistic attitude, usually we can tell pretty much what a child's capable of. But uh, one of the things here that becomes a problem is that we often get to looking at what other parents seem to be accomplishing with their children and that causes problems, which leads into the next area that I'd like to mention, and that is comparing them to others. This is a real way to exasperate a child, comparing them to others. Why can't you be like so-and-so? Or, I think this is just as bad, maybe worse, why can't you be like we were, you know, back in the 1800s? <laughs> uh, so that type of thing can really um, put a child down. Now, I think sometimes it is proper, yeah, that is, it's not wrong to use others as an example, but we have to be really careful that we don't make the child feel inferior or worthless because they're not like some other child. Um, actually, we probably don't know the real situation in that other person or that other family anyway. And it's probably not near as similar as you think it is. Uh, and as far as comparing them to us when we were their age, the fact is we probably forgot what we were like. We remember what we want to and uh, consequently we, we hold ourselves up as a standard which probably is a big mistake. Well, I know it's a big mistake because 
We don't want them to think in terms of, well, that's the way they were, so I have to be that way. That's not the standard. What is the standard? Well, the standard is Christ always. Use Christ as our standard, and we'll see that all of us, both the parents and the children, will have some room for improvement. Uh, so I think that's the way we need to do that and not compare them with others. Uh, number four. Not listening to the child's opinion or his or her side of the story. Not listening to them. Now this is, again, this is, has to be age-appropriate and it changes as, as a child goes on. And Actually, I, I should have separated this into two different ones because what I'm talking about here is, first of all, just not listening to the child as an individual, but the other one has to do with not listening to their side of an argument, which usually goes on between two children. Uh, two proverbs that I fit, uh, think fit into that part of listening, you know, you've got Jimmy and Johnny. That doesn't fit anybody here, so I can use Jimmy and Johnny. Jimmy comes and says, Johnny did this. And Johnny says, yeah, but Jimmy did this. And there you go. Well, uh, you do need to listen to some extent, not just assume that the first one that comes to you is giving you the whole report. Uh, that's what the book of Proverbs teaches us very well. Proverbs 18, just a couple of verses here. Proverbs 18, 13 says this. He who gives an answer before he hears it is folly and shame to him. Listen, listen, listen to what's being said here as you're trying to uh, figure out what's going on between the two siblings. And then uh, verse 17 the first to plead his case seems just until another comes and examines him. In other words, listen. Listen to both sides. If you don't, you're going to exasperate one of the children. Now, that's one thing we're talking about related to sibling rivalry. Uh, but the other thing I'm talking about is just in general listening to what they have to say. Um, now, I, like I say, as the child gets older, you need... They need to feel that their opinion matters on something. One writer said this, You may not always agree with your child's reasoning, conclusions, and opinions, but if you are going to lead him into the truth, you will need to understand his perspective. Moreover, by not attempting to understand his perspective, you may communicate such sinful attitudes as arrogance, impatience, apathy, or lack of love. So... We need to let our kids know that uh, we're interested to know what they're thinking and to hear uh, how they view things. And again, uh, that's more as they grow older and are capable of thinking things through better themselves. In fact, we need to make sure that we take time to talk with them and listen to our children more and more as they grow older and seem to want to talk less and less. That seems to happen quite often. Uh, 
So failure to make an allowance for the fact that our children are growing up and should be listened to more can exasperate them. This is a little bit later on, you know, in the teen years, but nevertheless, it's a reality. So don't be insensitive to the child's changing situation and changing perception of things. Uh, now, really, good parenting requires a gradual weaning of our children away from dependence on us. That's what, that's what parenting is all about, to wean them away from dependence on uh, us being the one that tells them uh, how to do things. So, be careful about this thing of not listening to your children's opinions on things, especially as they grow older. The next one, you can exasperate your child by mocking the child. When we resort to ridicule or mocking or sarcasm or teasing or name-calling to try to shape the child's behavior, we are giving, and we're going to find that this is going to be counterproductive in the long run because it's using sinful tactics to try to produce a desired result which God is not going to honor. He doesn't honor that type of a uh, way of dealing with your children. To mock a child's intelligence or athletic abilities or physical features is to slander God who gave these physical characteristics to the child. So it's a major, a major area. Uh, who made man's mouth? Who made him deaf or dumb or seeing or blind? Is it not, is it not I, the Lord? That's what uh, God told Moses. So uh, that, should, that one should hardly be needed to be mentioned, but it, it is something that happens. Uh, the mocking of a child. As far as name-calling is concerned, there just shouldn't be anything like that. Uh, I mean, there's areas where we can say to the child, this is what God calls foolishness, or uh, this is what God would define as deceitful or slothful. There's nothing wrong with, you know, bringing up biblical verses, but that's different than unbiblical name-calling like, you know, you idiot or such things like that. Uh, the next area then, it kind of flows out of this one, constant fault-finding, constant fault-finding and the continual making of discouraging comments. We do have the responsibility to point out sinful behavior, but not in a critical, condemning, negative way, not in that kind of a, a manner or attitude. If we leave the impression that our child rarely or never pleases us, you can be sure you're going to exasperate them. They will lose heart if that's what comes across in the home. And unfortunately, I mean, I know the reality of this. 
often we focus only on the wrong behavior that needs to be corrected and not on the right behavior that needs to be commended. And if you do that, you will exasperate the child. We need to try to balance out our reproof with praise. And there's some days when that is pretty hard to do. You're going to have to look to find something to praise them for. But you should look real hard and find something. Uh, One person said this, If you are a parent who has a tendency to nitpick about everything, I suggest that you memorize and meditate upon the following. A man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it is, it, is, it is his glory to overlook a transgression. So, look for the commendable and then command. I, I think that uh, this well-known uh, quote from Josh McDowell uh, fits in here. He says, Rules without relationships bring rebellion. Rules without relationships bring rebellion. So, there should be, by and large, a positive atmosphere in the home, and especially in relationship between the the parents and the children. If not, rules without relationship will bring rebellion. Strive to maintain that relationship. Number seven has to do with discipline, but I put it uh, into the negative, unbiblical discipline. Now, discipline is a subject that's dealt with quite often in the scriptures, but there are many ways and means of discipline that are unscriptural. I just wanted to mention some here. First of all, and this is probably one of the primary ones and one one that's so easy to fall into, Disciplining while you're angry. If you want to exasperate your child and make them angry, you just discipline while you're angry. That doesn't mean that you're not angry about the sin, because you are. But I'm talking about you're angry enough that you're not really in control of what you're saying and what you're doing. Uh... You lose control or over-discipline. You multiply words that don't need to be said. And you say things without weighing them out. Uh, The first duty in discipline is discipline yourself. The first duty is to gain self-control or you will not have control over the other person which is what you're trying to do. You're trying to teach them discipline. And unless you're disciplined yourself, if you've lost control, you're not going to teach them the right thing. So, disciplining while angry. Another thing in this area of unbiblical discipline is majoring on minors. The child... There are situations where they need to be disciplined or scolded or spanked, uh, but not for minor offenses. And 
uh, again, this kind of has to do with this nitpicking attitude we talked about before. Things that hardly need to be mentioned uh, are made into major areas. You're going to exasperate your child if you do that. Um, so, as one person said, we need to choose our battles carefully and uh, not severely rebuke for small errors and mistakes. That can certainly exasperate the child. So be careful about majoring on minors. This, this is all under the heading of discipline. And then being inconsistent in discipline. Uh, one, one day you are uh, dis are you disciplined for something, the next day you just let it go. Well, that, the child's not going to understand that. Or another, another real bad one is one, parent's, one parent overlooks it and the other parent comes down hard on it. That's inconsistent. Uh, one, again, I'm quoting from a lot of different people here. I've read a lot of books through the years on some of this stuff. Uh, you must practice consistency in your discipline. A lack of consistency forces a child to constantly test parental authority and limits. The more inconsistent parents are, the more the child must attempt to define limits by pushing against them. So, uh, you know, let, let the child know what the standards are and uh, don't be inconsistent in it. Talking about discipline yet. And then the last one I would mention is this area of, of discipline and, and rebuking in the front of others. I think that's detrimental and can exasperate the child. Really, you know, even in dealing with discipline in the church, the first thing we're supposed to do is go to the person in private. You're not supposed to start getting this out of, in front of everybody. And I think there's, uh, there's a principle there even for child training as well as for church discipline. And to discipline a child in front of others can embarrass and needlessly embitter that child. So those are just some, some kind of subcategories on this thing of unbiblical discipline. The next thing I would mention is having double standards. And some of these do kind of overlap. But if you use the Bible to instruct your children in righteousness but do not live by it yourself, that is a big double standard. Uh, in fact, that's what the Bible calls hypocrisy, which is about the thing that Christ came down the hardest on. For instance, you teach, you teach your child that it's important to keep his word and to carry through on his promises, but you don't keep your promises that you make to them. That's a double standard. Now, of course, it's, it's true that the child must realize that sometimes things come up and because of certain situations you have to change your plans uh, and you can't do what you said you were going to do. But if you're consistently breaking your promises that you make to them, what you've told them, and uh, you don't ask forgiveness, uh, it can really disappoint them and exasperate the child and they realize there's... Something doesn't fit here. There's a double standard going on between my parents and myself. So, having double standards. And then, number nine, 
is having a child-centered home. Now, you might think, how's that going to exasperate a child? I think they'd really like that, you know. Uh, well, the fact is, uh, sooner or later, it's going to exasperate the child when they find out the universe does not revolve around them. Uh, and I think, you know, in some ways this is a particular problem for Christians because we want so much to be good parents and we're willing to sacrifice for our children. But it's possible for these good intentions to be misdirected and end up just catering to the child, making them the focal point of all that goes on in the home. And it just shouldn't be that way. Uh, what, what do I mean by a child-centered home? What's, what's it look like? Well, again, one person said this. Uh, a child-centered home is one in which children are allowed to, and he lists some things, use manipulation and rebellion to get their way, dictate the family schedule, take precedence over the needs of the spouse, of the, of the spouse, demand excessive time and attention from parents to the detriment of other biblical responsibilities of the parents, speak to parents as though they were their peers, be the dominant influence in the home, and then grow up believing society owes them a living. That would be a child-centered home. And you can see, uh, if that's the case, sooner or later that child is going to be exasperated because that's not the way life is. Such a so-called democratic household, I don't mean that politically, <laughs> uh, in that type of situation, the child can easily become angry and exasperated when his or her desires do not get placed on equal status with that of their parents. And again, sooner or later, they're going to find out this is not the way the world functions, that it's not, it doesn't revolve around them. So um, that's uh, actually a way of exasperating your child, having a child-centered home. And then number 10 would be not admitting when you're wrong and not asking for forgiveness when you've done wrong. This is really, I think, an important one because we all fail as parents and we're all going to blow it probably in a lot of these areas that I mentioned tonight and a bunch of other ones that I haven't mentioned. And we need to be at a place where we are able to acknowledge and confess our sin and ask forgiveness. Uh, it's actually wrong not to do that. So you'd be demonstrating pride or some kind of insensitivity by not asking forgiveness when you've when you've really failed in some of these areas. And that can exasperate the child. <clears throat> to ask forgiveness demonstrates that you too are under God's authority. It's not just the child <clears throat> under your authority. You're under God's authority. And you are 
desiring to live by the law of Christ, which is what you want to teach your children to live by. These are, these are some areas, and I'm sure you could add to them. I, you know, when I think of uh, the home, I think what we want is a God-centered home, not child-centered, not me-centered, not even parent-centered, but, but God-centered home, which will be a grace-centered home where we as parents create an environment of love and respect and responsibility and forgiveness that's what that's what we're aiming at one person said a father's first responsibility first responsibility to his child is to love his wife that's a good thought but really the first responsibility is to love god father's first responsibility to his child is first of all for that father to love god and then to love his wife and that'll go a long way in this area of training, teaching our children and uh, bringing them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And the last thing I would say, and this isn't... Well, this is a way for not just for the children not to be exasperated, but this is a way for us not to be exasperated. I used to... In fact, when I used to read that verse, (laughs) there was times when I thought... I wonder if Paul meant children do not exasperate your parents. <laughs> but, but that's not what he meant. He meant what he said. So how do you keep that from happening? Well, I think the big thing in this whole deal is worry less and pray more. If we would worry less about what our children how, how, how we're raising them and what's happening and uh, all the difficulties. If we'd worry less and pray more, we'd be f- much further along in this thing of parenting. So, anyway, those are a few thoughts related to this subject. Well, it's, it's an ongoing... Uh, learning process for parent and child. May God help us by His grace.